Hello, Mr. Sanders. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Uh, so we met just a little over a year ago um, when Benjamin joined uh, the Three Martial Arts. It's a location that you are um, the leader of, or how would you say, what, what is your position at, at Shadow Hill's location? Uh, my position at the Shadow Hill School is uh, I'm the director and the chief instructor of the school. So I oversee everything that happens in the school and I would say I teach probably 95% of the classes in the school. Sure, and that's how primarily I'm, I know you as instructor and a teacher and kind of, you know, everyone looks to you for guidance, the kids, the other instructors, kind of overall. Um, but I want to back up a little and ask you a few questions about you personally. Okay. Um, you are from Las Vegas, correct? Yes, I'm from Vegas. Okay, there's really not that many Las Vegans out there from what I understand. Yeah, I really need them too. Yeah. Um, and when did you get started in my arts? When did I get started in martial arts? I started in martial arts pretty young. I think I was maybe nine or ten years old okay. when I started. And I started uh, in North Las Vegas, and then my family actually moved to Reno. So I took a short with us, and then uh, we came back to Vegas, and then I trained a little bit in Henderson. Mm -hmm. And then when I um, and then I pursued like, my military career, and you know, a little bit about that, and then I came back and I started teaching for Okay, so go back a little bit um, and talk about when did you go into the military? Um, I really, I actually enlisted into the military when I was 17. Okay. Uh, wh why? What was your reason for doing that? <laughs> Honestly, I had um, I had a few reasons. Um, the first reason that comes to mind is my brother did it. Okay. And I was really competitive with my brother going Understandable. And then the next thing is uh, just to be a part of something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And it still makes a difference outside of just my hometown. That's why I do the National Guard. But <laughs> But to be somebody bigger than me is definitely one of the driving reasons. Okay, and what is your position in the National Guard? Uh, right now I'm a National Guard Sergeant. I'm okay. 85. Uh, I've been in for five years now, actually. Right. And what I do is I'm a cavalry shop in the Army. Okay, and so you're a sergeant, you're also a director of a martial arts studio. And how old are you? Uh, I'm 22 years old. I'm 22. So how is it, you know, that you've accomplished so much at such a young age? How, was it, you know, your parents that drove you? What, what, what do you think they were? I think uh, a huge part of my life has definitely been my parents. And they've always pushed me, but I've always been a very self-motivated person. And I've always had the discipline for martial arts because I started at a young age. And the military definitely instilled that discipline and structure in my life. And I'm a higher level, and I always had the foundation. And they just applied that to my everyday life and never settled. You know, we talk about that in class all the time. It's just make your best better, and I'll try to live every day that way. And I think that's what I think it's most. Sure. Okay, great. Now let's jump into uh, martial arts and, and why you're so passionate about um, martial arts, and maybe you could explain victory martial arts' context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something I'm so passionate about with martial arts is that when you see a child uh, struggling maybe with a concept, or they come to you and they're struggling with and then you see that child break a board for the first time and their face just lights up and they accomplish something that might seem small to us, but it's huge for them. And just one board break at a time just changes everything for them. And that's that one of the biggest things that of martial arts like throughout so much. Sure. Now, the style at Victory, or I'm not sure if that's the correct term, is it Taekwondo or how would you describe exactly what Victory is? Yeah, correct. Um, the, the main style is Taekwondo. But we blend other styles into our system to make it more realistic and exciting for the kids. Okay. For example, the self-defense 
that we teach in our classes is Kramaga, and it comes from our Israeli adult program, the Kramaga, but it's just simplified a little bit more for the kids, so it's a more realistic self-defense. And it's uh, very high energy, go, 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 all class, to keep them moving and keep them active. And so one thing that Chief Master Marcelli says, and he's the owner and founder of Victory Martial Arts, is that motion creates emotion. So when they're excited and they're moving, they're going to have a good experience. Okay, great. So um, you met Benjamin. I probably did not have a one-on-one conversation when you first started, um, but I was very concerned he had never been uh, officially in a sport prior to uh, moving to Las Vegas, let alone victory. Um, you know, and for him, he has ADHD. That doesn't really hinder him too much on a daily basis because we worked really hard to treat him. So everything that we've gone through, you probably would never even believe because he, when you see him, he's an outstanding kid. Um, he also struggles socially, so fitting in, just having friends in general um, is really hard for him. And I see that at the um, studio a little bit, you know, when kids are so excited to see each other, you know, he, he's just happy to be there. He's not really connecting outside of the instructors. He does love Mr. Navarro very mm-hmm. much. Um, so I was really nervous when he first came in, and I was nervous because of the parents' involvement and just how excited they were there for their kids. I mean, you also expect the parents to participate in class. Yeah, um, And explain, explain what that means and why that expectation is there. The, the expectation behind the parent involvement in the program is that as children, the people that we look up to the most in our lives are our parents. So we have role models in our lives, like you're saying, Benjamin loves Mr. Navarro, but if he doesn't thrive on Mr. Navarro's um, approval as much as he does, for you, and, that's, and I think that's the same for every child. So when a child is taking class and they're working hard and they're sweating and they look back and they see the parents and the parents are giving them a thumbs up and a smile and they say to them, that just adds to their motivation and excitement. Or if they turn around and if the parents are off in their own world doing something else and the child feels, you know, maybe why am I doing this? If my parents are excited for me, then why are they here and watching me? And I think that the parents have such a powerful impact on their kids when they're involved in the program. Okay. Yeah, and at first I was a little bit taken back by that because, um, you know, I'm very, you know, we're a competitive family, you know, I, I could have gone to college to play softball and done other things, um, but with him we're so reserved because, and I'm sure you see that, we're not the loudest, you know, especially me, because he gets embarrassed easily, he also... If things are not done in a certain way that he expects them, he really has a hard time transitioning. So for me, I'm pretty reserved. I don't really show a lot of emotion. So it's even now, like, you know, I'll clap, you know, or the loudest, but I'm, I'm always there, um, you know, to, mm-hmm. to help him. And um, he has a really hard time with martial arts. Uh, he, um, cross-body movement is really hard for him. And... You know, you're doing kicks where you're spinning and kicking reverse and doing all these things that his body doesn't really function like that very easily. So when you see, um, I want to talk first about like physical, I, I hate to use the word handicap or disability, but maybe deficiency in an area. When you see a kid that um, isn't up to the level that maybe their peers are age-wise or just size-wise, how do you, um, how do you approach that? Like, you know, for him, uh, practicing at home is really hard because he, in his mind, he's already great. 
So he doesn't, and that goes along with his giftedness and being a perfectionist, you know. So he doesn't think he needs to practice even though he's not quite there yet. Can you explain a little bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. So to touch on the, the first part about, you know, how do we address the children and not so much for Benjamin, but I have another student that recently started that has a deficiency in his bones, and he actually can't even stand up by himself from what we call listening position. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important part I talk about here, I talk about this in the team, is building the foundation. And every child has a different foundation. Every child is going to have a different ability, like we talked about, and scoring them and improving on that ability. Everybody has something special. And so if we notice a child that maybe struggles with this, or they're struggling with this spin technique, if we can get them to turn their toes in the right direction and just pick their leg up, that's already a win for us. And making that child recognize that that's an accomplishment is key. Mm-hmm. Now, to keep them practicing when they already feel great, I think that's the challenge for them in class. Like, for example, with um, the sparring mm-hmm. You know, that when they go on, maybe they struggle a little bit with sparring. Mm-hmm. And then when they come home and they're like, oh my gosh, that was so hard, I don't know what I can do. And then our response is, what is that? And I think that uh, that adds that motivation for them. And I just do the private training for them as well to instill a little more things that they can practice at home. Yeah, I know for us, I mean, so. When you look at Benjamin on the exterior, he looks like a great kid, you know, he just looks like he's thriving and doing wonderful, you know, so it's kind of hard at first to see some of the shortcomings, but I think that's why we work so hard at home so that when he goes out, he looks, you know, he looks really great. How to handle the practicing at home, I mean, I don't know, we're new into this whole idea, so, um, you know, I'm taking another class, it's called the First Normal Needs of Gifted Children and we talk a lot about being a perfectionist and being overly competitive. I don't know if you've ever seen, but um, when you do the drills where you run from one side to the next to hit the base master and run back, mm-hmm. if Benjamin team's not winning, he doesn't try very hard. We work on that. I, it just makes my blood boil when I see him. And that, in his mind, if, I'm not, if, if my team's not the best, I'm not going to try. So, you know, it's kind of interesting seeing him in that scenario, and that kind of plays in with you know, ADHD and what that means to be highly gifted, or excuse me, just gifted and highly gifted. Um, which for you, you don't really see the academic side of the children. I'm sure, I'm sure parents, I know a lot of parents talk to you and probably school workers, mm-hmm. probably part of the discussion. Um, we'll kind of jump into that later, but I want to talk about um, a scenario that uh, I thought you handled really great. Um, I believe it was a special event where there was a lot of kids there. Um, which for Benjamin and some other kids, when it's a lot of noise, a lot of people, they begin to shut down or um, the hyperactivity kind of takes over their body. And I saw one little boy who naturally has a hard time sitting in on that spot. Um, as Benjamin would if he weren't medicated. There's no way he could ever sit. Um, and you just kept redirecting him to sit back on the spot. You pick him up and you put him back. And there was a special guest that day, I'm not sure who it was, but you know, someone of the higher up rank within victory, you kept putting them back in that spot. How, you know, I'm sure for you that was really hard not to just pull them aside and, you know, because I'm sure it's kind of embarrassing to you in front of you many other schools or this um, instructor. How do you handle something like that? That's a, that's a good question. I think for me, and, and I tell my instructors the same thing, is 
And I think this is what defines not only a great martial arts instructor, but a great teacher of our intent, is how excited do you get when the students do something great compared to how frustrated do you get when the students do something wrong. If you're constantly frustrated, the kids are going to realize that. So that so in that instance, that child, if he doesn't, if he doesn't know, it's not his fault. And so for me, it's not fair for me to get mad at that child if he doesn't understand. He knows he needs to be on his spot, but five seconds later, he's thinking about something else. And we all are. We're always thinking about something different. But then he just he reacts on it. And so then just being patient with that child and being patient with the kids in general is just knowing, hey, come right back to your spot. And I'm not, like for example, that was uh, Master one time was there. He's, okay. um, one of, he's one of the school owners in Florida. One of them is a huge deal in our company. You're right, yes, it was. He was there teaching the Showtime class. And yeah. He was so excited. And, <laughs> and somebody said, that child was so excited to train. And he was getting out of office thought to talk to Master and to ask questions and to be involved in the class. And I have other kids that are sitting in the back that are there because their parents made them do it. I can't get upset with a child because he's so excited to be involved in the class. I just have to right. bring back in with Right. And then, um, you know, I, I'm sure it's got to be a challenge because, you know, you, the classes are broken up, advanced, uh, beginners, mm-hmm. black belt, learning, you know, tigers, you know, all the different levels. You know, in the advanced class, you have kids that are, I think it's younger six, is that correct? And then, you know, up to, um, do adults take the advanced class as well, or do they have their own separate class? We have a separate adult class, but I do have adults that take the class, but I think the high age group that's an average is 14 and 15 and Okay, so that's a huge age range. Yeah. Um, that's a huge, you know, even when I see, you know, Benjamin right now, who's a purple belt decided, when I see some, um, that are the same length as him, or even of slightly lower, it's their ability is just incredible. Like at the tournament, you know, this seems, you know, the range in ability and technique. How do you, as an instructor, handle not only an age difference, but also the ability difference? The thing with the ability difference and the age difference is, again, it goes back to the excitement and the frustration. And I think with the students is knowing your students is the most important part about being an instructor, is knowing what my student is capable of. Knowing that, because you have some kids that walk in the door and are naturally gifted martial arts. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. And for me as a child, I was not that way. My brother was definitely that way. My brother was phenomenal. My brother was a um, triple crown world champ. He went to the world championship because he won four hundred lessons in sparring. He so good. Me, I was not that way. Mm-hmm. I had to work and put in the time every single day to be good. And so I think when you look at these students and you see oh, this person is natural, so I'm going to add this and this. Well, this student struggled a little bit. Let's focus on the foundation. Let's make the foundation incredible. Because if they have the foundation, then they can break the board. And it doesn't matter if you're 6 years old or if you're 13 years old. If you're breaking the board the same way at the same required level, you're still developing that confidence and the foundation of your muscle. Sure. And in this environment, it's, it's kind of hard to encourage, you know, team building in a way, you know, and team building and, and maybe other social cues that might be natural for a baseball team or a basketball team. But how do you encourage that uh, for your students? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that's what makes, not just martial arts, but I think that's what makes victory so important. Mm-hmm. I didn't start with victory, but what makes victory so great is that when you're on the floor, Martial arts is an individual sport. Mm-hmm. But you, you know when I'm teaching class, if I say time, they celebrate. And then just that short communication with the person next to you, high five, oh, yeah, you did it, you're great. Or we talk about part of honesty is others can rely on you. 
they're going to rely on mutual encouragement. Mm-hmm. And when their lives are constantly encouraging each other, and then just developing those friendships throughout the years of their martial arts. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, you know, I don't know, it might have been a few months ago where you, uh, you know, you have been training and you as they were training in partners, you said, give each other a compliment. <laughs> yeah. But what I found interesting, I, I believe you said, give yourself a compliment, I think was part of it. And that was really hard for all of them. Yeah. That was, I just thought that's so interesting, you know, especially the younger ones, you know, why is that hard for them to give themselves a compliment? And maybe that's something, you know, as a society or parents, you know, instructors, teachers at school that we need to be working on, um, building self-confidence and finding that fine line between your ego and being yeah. confident in yourself. Because, you know, even at the tournament, I saw there were some incredible athletes, I mean, doing flips and, you know, the, the I'm not sure, that, I believe the teenagers and instructors, I'm not really mm-hmm. sure what their position is called. Is that self-confidence, or is that a little bit more than being self-confident, you know? I think that involves mm-hmm. with time. Sure. Um, I think that there needs to become the foundation of self-confidence, mm-hmm. and I think it's missing in our society immensely. Yeah. I think that last cycle we were talking about self-esteem, which is the joy of being ourselves, which is to love ourselves immensely, mm-hmm. and I think that kids miss that to Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, sometimes it's even found about. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't talk about yourself so much. That's creating such an ego. Mm-hmm. And I think that for our society, kids need to learn how to love themselves, how to be comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be bullies. There's always going to be bullies. What we do in martial arts is we try to create um, young kids and leaders that are not willing to become bullies. And then they're not going to allow other people to become victims because there will always be boys. There will always be bad people. We need to create a society of people that refuse to be victims. Yeah. And I think that's where loving yourself immensely comes into play. Because when you love yourself immensely, you're comfortable giving yourself a confidence. You're comfortable saying, oh, my hell is this guy. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, you're even more comfortable when you just compliment the person next to you. And I think what happens is that for those assistant instructors, those younger, um, teenagers, such as that are 15 and 16, they get complimented by these kids all day. I'm kids are like, oh my goodness, you're like a superhero. And it does develop a little bit of an ego. Yeah. Or lack of a I mean, but it, I will say it's incredible, though, because, uh, you know, and there's a fine line, and, you know, once they become an adult, they'll get knocked back down to the yeah. place where they need to be, you know? It's so, not looking at it as like it's a, I mean, it's a worrisome thing. I just think it's an incredible, you know, thing. So, anyone with ADHD, their self-confidence is generally quite low. Um, you know, they need more stimuli to, to be happy. So, that's why video games. An ADHD kid loves a video game because you get instant gratification. Right. Um, but you don't, you know, or it's not making you feel good about yourself because no matter what, it's going to give you that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, an ADHD kid is always in trouble, right? Because they're always what appears to be... Um, acting out, or they can't sit still, or they're fidgety, or they're talking, they're impulsive, they might push you. Um, so naturally, your self-esteem is going to be really low. You're not going to have any confidence in yourself. And we find that in Benjamin, if he is not perfect in something, he beats himself up like crazy. And, you know, learning a little bit more about him and him maturing, seeing um, his academic level is greater than most people, including myself. So. 
he has that opportunity more so. But I see him growing, and I'm sure you've seen him growing. He didn't say a word when he first started. He never talked, hardly to anyone. And oftentimes he's the loudest. He's got a deep voice, and yeah. you can hear him. Like, and I yeah. think, I'm like, wow, who is this kid? And what do you think, in his year at Victory, what do you think is helping him so, so much? I think what you say with um, the vegan is that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And I think with martial arts, there's a long-term gratification, but in every class, there's instant gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working hard and you're sweating and you're just off and you're entering the song, and then I say, he's going to go in his blue stripe because he was the strongest person on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's that immediate gratification. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's me. And then breaking the book. Yeah. And as you said, um, talking and just being involved in interacting, I think it's so powerful because before every class, there should be interaction with each other. And I think just saying, okay, you need to be here and listen to this before class starts. I think eventually he just got pulled into the conversation. And even though he was kind of reserved at first, I think now that he enjoys that conversation. Yeah. And he's comfortable with the other kids that are around him. He is comfortable in the environment that he's in. You know, as I mentioned before, we came, we came in to have a little conversation with you about, um, you know, standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. He was so nervous just to walk through the door. Even though he knew pretty much everyone there, that was not his group. So he was intimidated. So it's just really interesting seeing how he, you know, it's incredible to see him have that confidence because then when it's not there, it's so prevalent. But I think that's how he always has been. You know, he's kind of lacks confidence. And, you know, he's only eight years old, so you usually don't yeah. think about that until they're a teenager. Even. So when, when, why I want to focus so much talking about younger children is because it really does, like the foundation that you're talking about, you're building. Like, I want to make sure that he has that foundation. And... I think the earlier you get involved with something, the better things are. And I'm sure with, with sports, it's the same thing. If you start a younger age, or age naturally you're just going to be, you know, more talented. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100. And I used to have this conversation with my father. We were talking. He would say, "Why, why does a child get a black belt at six years old?" And my response is, what's the true value of a black belt? Is that you look at a six-year-old and you say, can this six-year-old beat up a grown man? No. But can that six-year-old understand the concept of self-defense and get help so that he can come on safety? Absolutely. But now let's also compare that six-year-old, that seven-year-old, to other six- and seven-year-olds that have never touched martial arts in their entire life. That they don't, that they don't know that switch. I think martial arts teaches the switch. Is when you can be having fun, you can be having excitement and going, and, but as soon as you need to be back and be like that focused and that discipline, as a martial artist, you just put that shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you have that for six and seven year olds, that's going to set them up for success for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, what would you say overall? I mean, you talked about what your role is um, at your location, but what would you say coming from the parents? Like, you know, what do parents come to you and talk to you about? I think it's more than just what they're doing on the mat, that's it. And I know that for me it's been different. So I'm curious, you know, your perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on, it depends on the parent, it depends on the child. I have some parents that are so stressed about their child testing for blood. You know, they're going to have to test for blood in December. When you see the when you see the when they're competing in nationals, and they have some 
parents that are stressed out about what's happening on the map, and I have other parents that are talking to me about behavioral health. You know, Mr. Chambers, they're so great when they're here. But you don't to be told at home, you're right there, what do I do? And I say, well, let's sit down with the child and let's have a conversation. And just the other week, I was sitting down with uh, two of my leadership students, and they were struggling with me in their children at home. And the parents were talking to me, and they're like, they're so great here, they're great at school, but when it's time to be told at home, they're upset. I said, well, what do we talk about in leadership class? We talk about a positive attitude. And the leadership students are looking at me and they go, yeah, I suppose you see every circumstance in our lives is a positive experience. And I go, absolutely. So if you have to be the bitches, it's kind of negative. You don't have to be off the 30 bitches anymore. Clean the bitches. Right. Yeah. Tell me, that makes sense. How can we make it a positive thing? And I think that sometimes parents come to me almost asking me to parent their child. Yeah. And it's crazy to me because I'm a martial arts instructor. They think they're here to um, build this environment and build the safety and see me as a role model. And sometimes I have to come down on this and like, that example wasn't so much, I don't think they're asking for like parenting advice at all. I think they're just like, what's, the, what's your um, perspective on this situation? And adding that perspective that I think and causes them and trying to make things more positive than negative. When we talk about honesty right now, I think parents only teach their kids about honesty when their kids lie. I think parents don't reinforce honesty all of the time. Why not reward a child for honesty all of the time instead of punishing a child for lying? It's like we all love positive reinforcement. No one likes negative reinforcement. No one likes being told what they're doing wrong. So if you're constantly in reinforcing all these great things that you're talking to being honest. That changes their that changes their life. But if you're only getting upset with them when they do something wrong, then that's the only way that's the only attention they're going to receive. So I'm sure you're talking to be when you have your own kids. <laughs> I know how everybody <laughs> says that. It's so You know, I mean I but I think you you have a leg up the most. I mean, you know, Benson was born a month after I turned twenty seven. I had no clue what I was doing. I still don't. <laughs> Every day I'm like, Okay, I can make it through today, I can get through tomorrow. You know, it's it's I, you know, I was never around kids, I didn't know anything about it, so I think you definitely have a play up. <laughs> I do. <sure. laughs> it's, it's so funny because I'm talking about like teaching and my teaching sparring shows me what parenting is going to be like. Because I told you not to do that, but you did it anyway, and it didn't work, and yeah. now you're upset with me. I yeah. told you not to do that, do it the way I told you. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So, did you ever anticipate, you know, your role is kind of like help, helping parents, like parents their kids outside of martial arts? Did you ever see that coming? No. <laughs> no, as you know, growing up, and because my instructor was, wasn't that way for me. You know, I don't, my instructor is a very positive role model in my life, but was never, my parents would never sit down with my instructor and talk to my instructor about me not getting home again. You know, my parents would always say, when can we schedule a final lesson that we want him to win this tournament? Uh-huh. I think that's what much more was for me. And then that's why I say I think this is so powerful, because yeah. that's not, that's not who I am. Right. And so when I came into victory and teaching the classes the way that I do, and I'm just loving the kids immensely, I think. And then when the parents sit down and they're like, are you talking about this? I'm not doing this. I'm like, Whoa, what? You want me to talk to your kid about this? I'm not a parent. I don't know how to. Yeah. You know, so I think it's funny that you say that because I'm learning too. I'm learning how. Like, the first time I talked to your child about children is completely different than the last time I talked to yeah. your child about children. Yeah, and, you know, for me, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I'm a mess, but pretty much every day I feel like I have some level of, you know, 
keeping it together because Benjamin has tantrums all the time. This morning was really brutal. And, you know, he said some really extreme things just to get my attention. You know, he was sick for two days in the bed. So for someone that is extremely hyper, that like puts him into overdrive. Um, he didn't sleep well last night. He didn't get as much sleep as normal because he was too much energy. So this morning he was bouncing off the walls. Um, so I came in here to work this morning and I was frazzled. I couldn't focus. I'm often like that when I come to victory because it's, it's a short half hour, hour after school that he's usually mad about something during the day, doesn't want to do homework, doesn't usually want to go to victory because he wants to sit and read a book at home. And I find that, and maybe maybe this is specific to victory and maybe your style and, you know, what you're teaching your other instructors, I often come out of that while I am sitting there at victory. So, um, you know, I think what I've learned most about this experience is is it through martial arts and maybe martial arts in general isn't just so helpful for him and what he needs, but it's also helpful for the parents. And we're learning a lot and we're taking away a lot of things. I've never um, been involved with martial arts, it's new to me. And I'm sure um, you find that in most families martial arts is new to them or they're familiar with it. What do you see? Like, what is the majority? I would say the majority is that martial arts are new. Yeah. I would say that um, as a family, that and so, you know, I, as a kid, I wanted to do martial arts, but we never did, and I think it would be really beneficial for my child. Yeah. And it's a rarity that I have families that the parents have done martial arts before. And sometimes it's a good thing that martial arts is new to the family, mm-hmm. because martial arts 30 years ago is not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time, like when people want to buy like Chinese food, you think of Chinese food, I can be a fish. But real Chinese food is like a fish on a platter with the eyeballs going out of it. Right? And I think that martial mm-hmm. arts... 30 years ago, it's completely different from what I just said. Sure. You have instructors who are maybe still in high school um, that, you know, are quite talented at first or second. I'm not even sure what their level of black belt is. How do they become instructors? I, I think that there's a journey that you go on as a martial artist, and there becomes a point where you decide what you're going to do because in all program, you can get your third degree black belt, and that's what this normal is. This normal is a third degree black belt. So you're not allowed to test for your fourth degree black belt until you're 18. Okay. That's where I start to lose my students. Okay. And then so you fight and you make a decision. And Mr. Navarro's decision was he just wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. He wanted to become a world champion. And mm-hmm. so he accomplished his world championship. And uh, for a while, everybody on the team thought we were going to lose him. He had a world championship. He's going to move on. Mm-hmm. And I, what makes Mr. Navarro such an incredible young man and such an incredible instructor is that he loves his kids more than he loves himself. Mm-hmm. That's how he does. Yeah, I mean, and he is, I've seen him from his first class, you know, we were fortunate enough that to today, you know, if you were to take a class, he's such a different teacher. I mean, and how old is he? He's 15. Yeah, I mean, so he's incredibly yeah. young. Yeah. You know, so he, uh, you know, he's very, uh, it's just very natural for him to work with the kids, and that's why the kids love him so much. And does that, how does that make you feel? You know, you have... A student who um, you were training and teaching, becoming a great teacher. How does that make you feel? To be honest, that's the greatest feeling in the world. Because it starts when you get these, if you see pictures of Mr. Navarro when he's nine years old, you would not recognize him. Mm-hmm. Like, who is that? 
I mean, just the, I, the structure and the emotion that we have developed throughout the martial arts training is that, like we talk about it, is what is a teacher that's never trained in martial arts, eventually a teacher that's been training for three years, that all they know is martial arts. And that they know how to say yes or yes. They know how to open the door for people. Martial arts is not about teaching the It's never been, it's never ever been about teaching the Um, Bruce Lee says the best fight you're, you're is the one that you never is. The idea is to avoid these confrontations. We don't teach these children to take advice to become martial artists and beat up the kids. We teach them to take advice that they believe in themselves and they have the, the structure and the confidence to stand up for thank you for joining us again. And a big thank you to Mr. Chambers for taking the time to discuss his journey, martial arts, and what victory means to him. For more information on Victory Martial Arts, please visit victoryma.com.